Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. And today, we have a fellow podcaster on our show, The Trauma Therapist Project. It also includes a books, podcast, and it's being listened to in more than 160 countries around the world. There's also an online membership community, and it's all run by a gentleman named Guy McPherson, a PhD and a husband and a father of two. And your doctorate, I believe, is in clinical psychology. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And you have spent the last several years studying trauma and early psychosis and the impact that all of this has on individuals. That's right. Yep. Well, that is really awesome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on our show. We're, we're, we're honored to have you here. Oh, guys, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on here. I'm excited to uh, talk to you and uh, share what's, what's going on around here. Great. Well, thank you. One of the things that Gabe just mentioned is that you studied early psychosis. That particularly interests me. Tell us a little bit about early psychosis. How early are we talking? Well, to, for the last year, I've been working on uh, the Trauma Therapist Project full-time. Prior to that, I was working up here in Northern California at a clinic for five years, and we were assessing and treating uh, young individuals between the ages of 12 and 24 who were showing early signs of psychosis. Um, if you think of psychosis, which is a group of symptoms on a continuum, um, and on the left side, you have early symptoms, and all the way on the right, you might have, let's say, schizophrenia. So on the left side, the early symptoms include maybe hearing strange sounds. People might hear st- strange sounds that they realize are not their own. They're not coming from themselves. They might see certain things that they realize are uh, odd. They have a certain awareness of these, these symptoms. In other words, they don't completely believe these symptoms are real. They might begin isolating if they're in school. They might be showing signs or having certain symptoms such as depression or anxiety. They might be having certain somatic sensations, feeling certain bodily sensations. Again, they, they, they know they're not real. They're just strange to them. So these are the early symptoms. When people start believe, seeing something, when they have certain kind of fixed uh, delusions or hallucinations or more fixed, that's when they start moving over to the, the mid, midway part of that continuum and things can start to move into full psychosis or even again on the farther end of the continuum schizophrenia. So these early signs and symptoms can be precursors to something more serious, but we were working to assess and to treat those. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, I guess the question I have next is, is there a connection between early psychosis and trauma? Can trauma trigger early psychosis, for example? Yeah, there is, there is a connection. There's a correlation, not necessarily a causation. And this was kind of one of my interests. Let me share a story, if I may, to, to answer this question. Part of the job that we were doing was to take these uh, referral calls every day. So maybe it was my day and I would be taking these calls from therapists or teachers or parents, all of whom were, were concerned about a kid. And most often, again, these kids were in school. And so we go down this list of questions that we had. Are they using drugs? Have they had any negative experiences? Are they isolating? Um, have they been bullied, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And 99.9% of the time, I don't even think I can recall a time where there wasn't trauma involved with these kids. And a lot of times it was bullying 
or witness to domestic violence or you know emotional or sexual abuse there's a huge correlation between experiencing trauma and these symptoms which doesn't mean that everyone who experiences trauma is going to develop um, you know, schizophrenia or, or experience psychosis, just probably more than 50, 50% of individuals who've had it experience some type of symptoms. One of the important things to do when you're assessing uh, these symptoms is to understand, you know, when these symptoms occurred relative to when the trauma occurred, right? So if the trauma happened after these symptoms, it's obviously very, pretty much an indication that there was something else that precipitated or caused early psychosis symptoms. And one of the ways that you looked at all of that was by interviewing lots and lots of people. Tell us about that. Tell us about your process of finding all of this, because you didn't just eyeball it and declare that this is what's happening. You, you did a lot of research and... We were part of a research project, but I wouldn't necessarily call myself a researcher. At that position, I was working under a licensed therapist. I was definitely a therapist and someone who was doing assessments and really loved working with these kids and, and sitting down. You said, you know, part of it was, was asking a lot of questions. The assessment that we did oftentimes took three, four hours. Oftentimes we had to bring these kids back because it was so exhausting. It was a lot of questions and uh, it was a, an incredible learning opportunity for me to understand and to learn how to do the assessment. You know, when you're working with a kid, it's really hard to get information to flow. And it's certainly not going to work when you're sitting there with a clipboard enumerating these, this list of questions, which basically I tried to do when I was first starting out. You know, I had this like, you know, that is fresh out of my graduate program and I had my clinical hat on and I was going to prove to my colleagues that I knew what I was talking about. And it was ridiculous. It was a, a really kind of a steep learning curve for me to understand and to learn how to form these therapeutic relationships and alliances. And a lot of it had to do with understanding, bringing the parents in and, and watching and, and just kind of interrupting the pattern, you know, just stopping and, and saying, you know, I understand you guys have been to a lot of therapists prior to coming here. You know, what were they not getting? What are your parents not getting? What are your teachers not understanding? So in other words, to kind of flip the script and just engage on a very humane level. Is all of your early work and your early work with both trauma and early psychosis, is that what led you to start the Trauma Therapist podcast? Yeah, in part. I mean, that's a really good question. I was doing a lot of commuting when I was uh, working at that position in there for five years. And during this, I would be wondering about my clients as I was commuting, thinking that I don't know what I'm doing. Why aren't they listening to me? I'm no good at this. I should quit and start flipping hamburgers somewhere. And at the same time, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, kind of entrepreneurs, you know, just people from all walks of life who were doing kind of amazing things with their lives. It really inspired me. And at the same time, also at work, when I was doing these uh, referrals, you know, just hearing call after call with trauma happening to these kids. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So as I was commuting and listening to these podcasts and thinking about my own clients, I was thinking it wouldn't be awesome if I had a kind of master or seasoned therapist right there beside me who could mentor me. And I kind of put two and two together and I thought, well, what if I started my own podcast? What if I started interviewing people? And that's how it started. At that time, I was in a a, a clinical a group 
supervisory group with a kind of well-known trauma therapist named uh, Janina Fisher, kind of internationally recognized. And she was like one of my first uh, interviewees, my first guests. And that kind of really helped me start getting, you know, bigger name guests, which helps me get a lot more people. Yeah, Gabe and I have been doing this show for close to two and a half years, I guess, at this point. And we've had an awful lot of interesting people, and I know that we've learned a lot from them. What have you learned after interviewing however many hundreds of people you've had? It's interesting because when I got to graduate school, I knew I wanted to focus on trauma. And I went to graduate school. I got there pretty, quote unquote, late. I was like about 35, had a bunch of jobs, kind of been around the block in a sense, and wanted to, when I got there, I was just so consumed with taking in information. You know, what, what book do I need to read? What workshop do I need to attend that's going to make me the best trauma therapist I could be? And it was all focused on bringing this external information in. What I didn't realize as much as I should have was the value in who I was and my experience and what I brought to uh, the work and the therapeutic relationship. And, and it's not as if I didn't understand it, but I just didn't get it as much. I didn't value the importance of it. And so what happened was when I started doing these interviews, one of the questions I asked was, can you share like an early clinical error or a mistake that you made? What started to happen and continued to happen is that the majority of the errors that my guests shared wasn't around some intervention that they didn't get right or page 222 of certain manual that they didn't utilize correctly, but it was more centered around themselves not being authentic or not being vulnerable enough and how that ruptured the therapeutic relationship. I mean, and this went on and on and on. And it really brought to my light the importance of of the therapist, just being yourself. And that is not always easy. And we can get into that if you want, but that was the major, continues to be the major lesson for me. And one of the things that really inspires me in this work. Very interesting. I would like to get into that. I mean, how does it feel for you? I mean, what, how have you changed because of this? How, you know, yeah, please talk about it. What happened was two years ago when I was still in that position and I was uh, still doing the podcast, my mother died unexpectedly. So I was at work. I got this inevitable, the crazy call that my mama died and I was just like floored and I took some time off from work and then I went back. And when I was back at work, I remember I was sitting with a client and this client completely unbeknownst to why I was out, that client started sharing their own personal story about one of their family members who died and it was bringing up a lot of emotion for this particular client. And I remember I was just flooded at that point in a way that I had never been before. And I said to myself, this is crazy. I need to take more time off. And so I did. I took about a week or so off, came out to work. And at that point or during that point, something switched for me. And it it was, you know, I talked before about that clinical hat and I, I kind of had held on to that. You know, I'd gone to school and I got this degree. I, I felt I needed to be a certain type of therapist and I needed to, to show and something or prove something to myself, certainly, and to my colleagues. But after that point, when I came back, there was none of that, none of that kind of BS. And I just felt so much more 
present and so much more almost human. One of one of my guests talks about human beingness, you know, and I, I felt more filled with with that. And it's that quality that really inspires me. You know, being willing to work now with with other therapists or coaches who are working with people who've been impacted by trauma and to to help them to honor that and to explore that and to own that because I, I do feel and this kind of gets back to what I was alluding to before, why this is difficult for not everybody, but for a lot of people in this field, because it, it almost demands that you look at your own stuff, you know, that you not only look at it, but you explore it and work through it and get it together so much so that when you're working with someone else who's been impacted by trauma, you're not triggered, right, to the degree that you can't work sufficiently. So that's been a really big and, and inspiring thing for me because I, I love and just value the, those unique elements and qualities in each of us that allow us to, to do this work. We're going to step away to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face -face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. Welcome back, everyone. We're here discussing trauma with Dr. Guy McPherson. When you've been doing these interviews, have you noticed any themes that run throughout? Anything really in common a lot? I mean, one of them is many of the therapists, and I don't think this is going to be surprising to a lot of people or might, but many of the therapists have experienced trauma for themselves. And it's all types, right? I mean, it's whether they're a veteran and they've been in combat or they've been bullied like myself or they've had sexual trauma or uh, emotional trauma, whatever. Oftentimes that's been there. The other theme is that there's been a lot of mistakes. And there's, again, this kind of gets back to what I was just talking about. Many of those mistakes have to do with the therapist learning to be vulnerable and learning to be present and learning to not feel the need to to fix or to cure or to heal, but just to be comfortable with seeing the person in front of them. You know, oftentimes people talk about the job of the trauma therapist is to, to be a witness. But for me, it's to, to be able to see that person. These are themes that come up, continually come up. Had someone said to me when I was just starting out learning about trauma, that the main job is, is really to to just sit there and to be present and to be who you are, to be authentic and be able to do that and to see that person in front of you rather than have all this knowledge kind of in your brain and in your body, which again is crucial, but it's not everything. I mean, had someone said that to me, I would have been, what do you mean? I need to learn all this stuff. That's been a real big ongoing theme. Thank you for that. I know that we've talked about, you know, themes that have come up and, and you know, trauma is obviously a, a very big theme. But aside from trauma, are there other themes that have come up other than the carrying your own stuff or having your own trauma or being triggered by your own baggage? You've interviewed over 350 people, right? I don't know if you said that or not, but I know that from your bio. That's right. What other patterns have emerged? I think one of the, the other patterns is that 
you know, the people who are doing this specific work and by this specific work, I mean, people who are working with people who've been impacted by trauma, there's a burning purpose or there's there's a reason why they're doing this. You know, whether it's someone who has been into combat and they've come back and now they're a therapist and they're working to help veterans or you know, they, they've been abused and now they're working to advocate and to help other people not experience what, what they, they've experienced. And that stuff is really, I don't know, for lack of a better word, it's intense. I mean, to talk about trauma in and of itself is hard. I mean, it's hard for me. It's ugly. And, but, but within that, for me to be, you know, interviewing people who are so passionate about helping others who've been through hell sometimes. It's just so inspiring. And that's one of the things that really lights me up about doing this work. In part, I describe my podcast as a podcast being about the human spirit, people helping other people. Because at at the core, at its most kind of fundamental foundational level, that's what it is. And, and I love that people who are doing this, this work of helping other people who've been impacted by trauma, there's a passion kind of burning in them to do that. Thank you. Do you think that there are certain things that most people believe about trauma or therapists that are just simply wrong? And if so, what might those things be? First of all, for a lot of people, certainly a lot of lay people, trauma is equated with, with combat, with uh, you know bombs going off or IEDs going off or on another level, rape sometimes. But oftentimes, and this is one of the things that even inspired me to, to do this podcast. You know, when I was doing those phone calls, you know, when I would be talking to, you know, say a dad or, or a teacher, most often it happened with parents and it would be going through this litany of questions and it would come out that kid or the child, whatever, had been witness to domestic violence. Oftentimes parents and sometimes teachers didn't understand that that could be traumatic. So that's number one, that there are certain things, there are a lot of things that can be traumatic. But the, another element is, you know, what is traumatic for one person doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be traumatic for someone else. So for, if I use myself as an example, having been bullied, you know, that experience, you know, I can track it, how it like just altered and shifted the trajectory in, in my life and how it impacted relationships and self-esteem and so forth. But for other people, you might not have experienced that way. So that's another thing that I think that's really important for people to understand is that just because you think that something isn't traumatic doesn't mean someone else isn't going to experience that way. Another aspect to this is that people doing this work are human and they need to be human. You know, therapists are obliged or are obligated to do their own quote unquote inner work. And that means to work on their own traumas, you know, whether they're small traumas or big traumas. And to constantly do that, people who are trauma therapists have to do it. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And that's one of the things that my podcast and my membership community really provides for, especially new trauma therapists to do, to do the inner work, to understand and to value that, you know, their individuality, their uniqueness will help them be a human being, not some clinical therapist that's just going to sit there and talk to you. And that, that kind of leads to another kind of myth in a sense that oftentimes people think that, you know, I'm going to go to this therapist and they're going to make me talk about it. They're going to 
uh, make me rehash it. And that's not always the case. And it shouldn't be the case, especially if you're working with, you know, a knowledgeable and seasoned therapist. Oftentimes, you know, talking doesn't even come into play until, until later on and sometimes shouldn't. So I, I think those are two, two really good ones. You know, trauma, if you're a, a client and you're, you've experienced trauma and you want to see a therapist, you have to find someone who's educated. You have to find someone who has had specific education in working with people who've been impacted by trauma. I mean, that, that's kind of a, a baseline. And I think it's unethical for someone to do the work who hasn't been educated. So if someone's out there, whether, uh, you know, if they're a client and they're, they've experienced trauma and they're, they're looking to get some help, you know, find someone, there are, there are avenues out there to help you find someone who's been properly educated and seasoned. I really appreciate that. And I like what you said about find somebody who's educated, but find somebody who's also, you know, focusing to get better and acknowledging that they're human. And that's really the best thing that somebody can do. I think a lot of times people look at therapists as the experts and they are an expert on a topic, but as you pointed out, they're also human. So they have to address their own stuff so they can provide the best care possible. And I think sometimes maybe the public thinks, I don't want to say too highly of therapists, but maybe expects too much. I agree. And, you know, I think just inherent in the therapist-client relationship, there's a dynamic. There's a dynamic. Someone is coming to someone else to, quote-unquote, get better or to find out information. And I think, again, inherent within that, there is this relationship where the therapist is kind of up here and the client is kind of down here. When I was starting out and when I was seeing clients, I you know, was fresh out of school and I felt that, yeah, I had all this knowledge. And I was the expert. And I'll tell you something else, man. I learned so much from just seeing clients and clients and, and realizing that I had to take my clinical hat off. And it was something that a very seasoned professional at the last job I was talking about said. He said, you know, if you're going to be working with this population of, of kids who were showing early signs of psychosis, and many of whom, most of whom had experienced trauma, you've got to be willing to take off your clinical and I thought to myself, what is this guy, nuts? You know, I just got out of school. I've got this degree. But that was the big learning experience for me. And it does, that doesn't mean forgetting what you know and forgetting your knowledge and forgetting your experience. It means showing up as a human being. Because when you're talking about people who've been impacted by trauma, oftentimes they've had everything ripped away from them that speaks to being a human being. They've had their safety taken away, their, their trust, the love oftentimes, self-trust, belief in humanity, if you're talking about more interpersonal trauma or complex trauma. So to show up, as simple as it sounds, but to be able to show up as a, an authentic human being is vital. And again, it's not always easy because we bring all these this baggage with us where we think we have to show up a certain way as a therapist and that we are the expert. Well, you're certainly not the expert of your client. Right. You, yeah. Maybe you have this certain catalog of knowledge, but you're not the expert of your client. The client is the expert. And it's, it's the therapist's job to let them know that, to let them know that they're the expert in their experience. Well, thank you. It's always interesting to hear stories from the front lines there like that. Unfortunately, we are about out of time. So if you could just Tell us where we can listen to your show and any other links or whatnot you'd like to share. Yeah, where Please can people do. find you? What's your website? 
Definitely. It's uh, the traumatherapistpodcast.com. My membership community is really dedicated to new trauma therapists. Just starting out is traumatherapist 2.0. That's traumatherapist, the number two.com or just traumatherapist 2.0. They can find it there. But um, yeah, that's it. I mean, thanks so much guys for having me on. It was uh, was awesome. It was fun. Yeah, it was excellent. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Remember, you can get a week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere, just by visiting betterhelp.com slash psych central. We will see everybody next week. Thank you for listening to the Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psychcentral is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at gabehoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at vincentmwales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.